Welcome to worship at Church of the Palms. We are glad you found your way to us. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, um, we invite you to create a space in your home that is um, calm and peaceful with no distractions. Perhaps light a candle as we do on the communion table so that you can invite Christ's presence with you. Um, we invite you also to uh, perhaps uh, turn off your cell phone, and we encourage you as well to uh, go to our website and print out the bulletin so you can follow along with us. Most of all, allow these moments to be a time that you might prepare your heart and mind to come before the throne of grace, ready to receive the loving presence of God's Spirit. Let us prepare to worship God.
Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let us worship God. God's love is from everlasting to everlasting, and God's mercy is afresh every morning for us. Relying on that love and mercy of God, we pray our confession together. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness, that we may choose your will and obey your commandments. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone and a new life is begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
As forgiven children of God, we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we have come to a place in worship to pass the peace of the Lord to one another. Those who are with you, you may pass it on to them. Um, hugging, saying, peace of the Lord be with you. Those who are not near to you, you can call or text or in however way it works. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Well, good morning once again. We are glad that you have joined us here at Church of the Palms on this broadcasted service on July the 12th, pre-recorded on July the 10th. We are so delighted that we can be together in worship and we encourage you to be thinking about all the many ways by which Church of the Palms is in ministry throughout uh, the course of the week. Uh, we look forward to this Saturday. Day of Hope uh, is going to uh, move forward and we're so grateful for that and we have a wonderful system worked out for 250 families to come and to have their children uh, taken care of and supplied and so we're so grateful for your generosity that's allowed that to happen and we look forward to sharing with you uh, great reports and images of that day this coming Saturday. We are thankful also for those of you who have volunteered for our food pantry and we are grateful for uh, the uh, chance to see so many different people here to support that and if you'd like to help us out just go on to the home page of uh, our website and check on the serve button and you'll find a way to sign up for our food pantry. A couple of things to look forward to. We have our Strength to Love, the book by Martin Luther King Jr. that we're, we've been reading, and we're looking forward to having a, a stimulating discussion about that on July the 20th at 6 p.m. There's still time to sign up for that, so again, go on to our website, and you'll find the opportunity to do that. And then we have our sermon feedback, which is on Mondays at 10. And we've had a wonderful little group of people gathered to talk about uh, the sermon from the day before. So we encourage you to find us Monday at 10 o'clock again on the website, Gospel of Mark, a discussion about the readings through the course of the week. And that will be on Friday at 12 noon. 
you and your pets. We would love for you to share with us pictures of you and your little furry friends. I imagine there's all sorts of cats and dogs represented at Church of the Palms. And we'd love for you to take a picture of you and your pet and send that to Jackie Gomez uh, on, our, on our staff, Gomez at churchofthepalms.org. And uh, we will be collecting those. The deadline for that is July the 31st. And we hope that you will, we will be able to share those with you in the early part of this coming uh, of August. So we hope uh, we can see lots of your pictures and lots of your furry friends. Last Sunday was a very, very special birthday, and I forgot. And I didn't get a chance to make note of the fact that Fred Murphy, a member of our church for the past 40 years, turned 104 last Sunday, July the 5th. And so we are so delighted that we get to celebrate with you, Fred, and with your family. Uh, Fred served in World War II and was um, served in the Air Force. And we are so grateful for your service to our country as well as your service uh, and ministry with us here at Church of the Palms. So we bless you, and we are grateful to be able to celebrate with you uh, your wonderful birthday. Let's now continue our worship.
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we are reminded by the apostle that we don't often know how to pray as we ought. We are dust of the earth, formed by the touch and caress of your creative hands, fashioned into clay creations and filled with your spirit and life. How does the clay pray to the potter? You who are formed, you who formed our inward and outward being, knit us together in our mother's womb, what are we to say? And yet this apostle promises that the Spirit will intercede for us with sighs too deep for words, and we're counting on that, O God. We are counting on your Spirit moving within us and speaking for us that we might know that we are a part of your unfolding plan of love. We have this treasure, writes the apostle, in clay jars. And that's what we feel like sometimes, chipped and cracked jars of clay, fragile enough to wonder if the next bad piece of news or the next hard decision or the next change of circumstances might just put us into pieces. And yet the treasure still lies inside, the treasure of your goodness, your good spirit, your good love. Mingle then, Holy Spirit, with these feeble words that they might become an offering upon the altar of grace. Intercede with these prayers that our yearnings may be heard. We pray for the world today, O God. The world is fragile. We are at risk. We are unsure of how to proceed. The global village doesn't feel like a village right now. We feel pulled apart, fractured, disconnected. We are having trouble seeing that we are made, each of us, of the same dust, the same clay, the same flesh, quickened by your spirit and formed into your image, each of us. We're having trouble looking past the nose and our faces to see what lies behind the mask of our neighbor or the color of our neighbor, or the cry of our neighbor, or the opinion of our neighbor, that what lies behind is just the dust and clay of your creation, chipped no more than we, cracked no more than we, in need of healing no more than we, holding the treasure no less than we. Give us eyes to see, O God, past our masks, to discover again the beautiful image of God in the eyes of those who behold us. Heal us, O Lord, heal our land, heal our globe, heal our relationships, heal our bodies, spirits, heal our broken jars of clay. Make our jars vessels into which you might pour your new wine that our cup would run over for the sake of your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Somebody this week asked me if I had a good weekend, and it only took a moment for me to think about holding my granddaughter and taking a walk by the water and taking some pictures of some beautiful tropical birds and reading a good book. It only took me a moment to remember those very simple things to say that I had a better weekend than I deserved. It's when I remember such things and the one who makes them possible that I feel compelled to give in return, and maybe that's the case for you. Summer is customarily a time when our contributions grow a little lighter here at Church of the Palms, so we encourage you to keep Church of the Palms at the top of your prayer list and giving list. We are halfway through the year, and we've been able thus far to keep our budget balanced, but still we have a ways to go. So we prayerfully ask you to prayerfully in return consider an extra step in your giving to assure us that we can continue to perform the same level of ministry on into the future. The giving options are on your screen. Let us give joyfully to the one who first gave to us.
pray. Everything we have, O oh God, comes from you. We offer back to you just a portion, and we pray, Lord, that this offering will be used to spread your love and your light in the world, and that it would bring you such glory and such happiness and joy to see it, to see you out in the world. Bless it. Bless the offering. Bless the use of it. Amen. So I'd like to invite the children to gather around the screen for a children's moment. And kids, I want to show you something. It's an ancient relic. Doesn't go back as far as dinosaurs, but you may have never seen it. Are you ready? Here it is. Can you tell what this is? This is called a map. And on this map, there are roads and towns and people in olden days used to use this to figure out where to go. Of course, now we have our phones that show us exactly where we are and this sweet voice that tells us where to turn. And if we make a wrong turn, she just gives us another turn to get us back on track. Well, there was a time in between maps and cell phones where we used something called MapQuest. You would key in where you were, and you'd key in the address of where you wanted to go, and then you would print out this piece of paper that had step-by-step -step directions. Well, one time I was visiting my brother in Portland, Oregon, and I had my three daughters with me, and we were going to drive to my mom's place in Reno, Nevada. So it's 500 miles away. There was this cool route that would take us through the mountains and the trees near Crater Lake, and we would go, and we would make this 500-mile trek. And it was sort of risky, but I felt pretty confident because I had my step-by-step -step directions. So the kids piled in the back of the van, we grabbed lots of snacks and my directions, and we were off. And I was driving along, and it seemed like I was driving way, way too long because I would come up to a road, and I didn't think I was supposed to turn there. But I didn't know if where I was supposed to turn was behind me or still to go. And here's the problem. We're in the middle of the woods. There aren't any cars, there aren't any gas stations, there aren't any McDonald's, and I'm lost. By the grace of God, I stumbled upon a ranger station, and a kind ranger told me that I missed my turn some 40 miles back. Well, it reminds me of our scripture passage today because Jesus says to the disciples, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place but you will know where to find me. And the disciples were afraid, and they said, Lord, how will we know the way? And you know what? Jesus didn't hand them a map. Jesus didn't hand them a list of directions. Jesus didn't even hand them a cell phone with Google Maps. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. You see, Jesus gave them himself. And as long as they stay in relationship with Jesus, they are on the right path. And the same is true for you and me. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for sending your Son to keep us on the right path here on earth and to lead us in that path everlasting. Amen.
Our preacher this morning, I am delighted to say, is Dr. Morgan Roberts, who is perhaps no stranger, especially to our sanctuary worshiping community. Dr. Roberts and his wife, Nora, have been a part of the Church of the Palms family for the past eight years or so, and uh, Morgan has graced our pulpit many, many times, and we are always, we always look forward to having him share uh, one of his very poignant messages with us. Actually, uh, Morgan pre-recorded this sermon at our contemporary worship recording, and we are delighted that we will be able to share that with you uh, today during this traditional service. For those of you who don't know Morgan Roberts, he has been a pastor in the Presbyterian Church for over 60 years. He has served churches in New York and Kentucky and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Ohio and Alabama. He is a teacher of preachers. He has been a mentor and dear friend of mine and many of our staff. And we are so tickled and delighted that he could share with us uh, today's message that is based upon John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Let us prepare our hearts to reflect upon God's word. I'm going to read the morning lesson to you from two different versions. First from the King James Version, and then after that from uh, the parallel that is called uh, the message. Uh, and uh, I want you to see a couple of things. One is when uh, we translate a particular word and translate it close to the rendering in the Greek New Testament, it gives an entirely different flavor to that verse. More importantly than that, I want you to see how when we pay close attention to the context in which a verse is set, it can change the entire meaning. I mean by context, who said it? To whom was it said? And exactly what was it said? Sometimes when we pay attention to that, uh, we learn that what we thought was not right. In fact, that the meaning of the verse is the exact opposite of what we thought. So first, let me read from the, the old King James. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know, Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I can almost uh, read that lesson and, without looking at it. Back in 1946, when I was 18 years old, not having been raised in Sunday school or the church, when I came to the faith, however you want to describe that, I was very zealous wanting to save souls. And so every Sunday afternoon at 2.30, I would go 
with uh, some older members of the church to the Schenectady County Jail and preach to the prisoners the way of salvation. Now, when it would come my turn uh, to preach, as it were, to, I guess, what you'd call a captive, truly captive audience, I'm sure that I used this scripture and that I quoted that final verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And what I would have said to them in essence was, is without Jesus as your personal savior, it's down the drain. Of course, it doesn't actually say that, does it? When you look at the context again, who said it, to whom it was said, and what it is saying, you find that these are words not to be preached to the prisoners as such, but these are words that Jesus spoke to his followers who were children of God, destined from before the foundation of the world uh, to be the adopted children of God. Jesus is not saying to them, he never said to them, follow me and you'll escape hell. He said no such thing. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, co-workers with him in the business of proclaiming this good news of Jesus as the road to the Father's house. Now, I think you can realize when you say this that we should have been saying something different to the prisoners. We should have been saying to them, uh, Jesus is the road. His followers did not understand him completely, but he is the road and that's where you're going. Uh, it's all by grace and even your ability to believe is by grace through faith. That's what we should have been saying. Anyway, let me read to you secondly the rendering uh, from the message of Eugene Peterson. Don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you trust me? There's plenty of room for you in my father's house. If that weren't so, would I be, have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I go and get your place ready, I'll come back and get you so that you can live where I live. And you already know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we have no idea where you're going. How, how do you expect us to know the way? Jesus said, I am the road and the truth and also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. It's like saying, I am the true road of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think some of you probably know that long before the followers of Jesus, the first followers of Jesus were called Christians, they were simply called people of the road. Maybe you remember reading in the book of Acts how Paul, before his conversion, when he was called Saul, uh, was out to get some of these early followers of Jesus. It says he went to the high priest and got letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he, if he found any of those who were of the road, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. The followers of Jesus were people who lived on a different road than the rest of the world. 
And we're going to talk this morning about what it means to be the people of the road. I'm going to say actually two things to you. First is that if we're people of the road, we are free from the burden of having enemies. The second is that if we are people of the road, we are free from the burden of being possessed by our possessions. Let's talk about both these things. First of all, to be people of the road, to be genuine followers of Jesus, it means that we live without the burden of having enemies. Of course, we often forget that Jesus had no enemies. It sounds strange in a certain way. His enemies were out to get him. They finally got him, arrested him, made him carry his cross, put a, th th a crown of thorns upon his head, uh, put him on a cruel tree and torturously crucified him. Had no enemies? Yes, he had no enemies. He did not regard those who did this as his enemies. For that matter, that's why he said, Father, forgive them. They're your children, but they don't know what they're doing. Well, I can hear someone saying, all right, I see what you mean. Jesus had no enemies. He forgave those who were crucifying him, and he's calling us to be the same thing. But uh, sometimes uh, it would be easier if I had enemies who were out to get me. As it is, I have to live with people who have it all wrong. I have to live with idiots who hate the people that God wants us to accept, who idolize people who are cruel. I mean, these are even people who belong to the wrong political party. They don't vote the right way. They have a, a set of values that, is, that are all messed up. These are people who are not only idiots, they think that I'm the idiot. Truly, these are people who either need to be fixed and move out of the neighborhood, or I've got to find a way to leave the neighborhood. But of course, the bottom line, and this is the hard one for many people, is that they're not going to move out of the neighborhood, and I'm not going to move out of the neighborhood, because we're going to live together forever in the Father's house. You heard me correctly. These crazy, stupid people, these idiots, were going to live together forever as one family in the Father's house. Now, uh, let me draw this out a little bit. You know, Paul says in Ephesians, and I've already quoted it, before the foundation of the world, before God created the world, he destined us, all of us, for adoption as his children. We're all the family of God. We may not realize that. Uh, some people may live as though they are literally uh, enemies of God and they're still members of the family of God. They may disgrace the family, but you know, you can't not be a child of God. Every person you meet on every day of your life is a child of God bound for the Father's house. Uh, that's just the way it is. And this is why the most important verse in the Bible is not John 3.16. The good news is when Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven who makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain 
on the righteous and the unrighteous. The love of God is as universal as the sun and the rain. In other words, when the sun comes up in the morning, whether you're raising flowers or tomatoes, the same sun helps everybody's garden to grow. When it rains, it doesn't just rain on my lawn because I'm one of the good guys. It even rains on the lawn of that idiot down the street because God's love is absolutely universal. And when you see that, that our God is someone who is so friendly uh, that his love encompasses everyone, sends his, uh, raises his son upon the evil and the good, sends his reign upon the righteous and the unrighteous, you can't believe that such a God all of a sudden at the end of life is going to change his mind and get angry with people and torture them forever apart from his presence. That is pure heresy. A God who tells us what he's like is not going to do such a thing. Besides which, it's utter heresy to say you could ever be separated from the presence of God. There's nothing else out there but the presence of God. If you're a Presbyterian, remember the catechism, God is a spirit, infinite, that means without boundaries, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. There's nothing out there beside the presence of God. There's no place else to go. I remember Ernie Campbell, when he was the pastor of Riverside Church, Riverside Church in New York, came to my church in Michigan, and he to, uh, told something that I'd never noticed. You know, there's a story, and it is told slightly different ways in two Gospels. There's a rich young man who comes to Jesus, and he says, uh, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says something like, well, you keep the commandments, and they list some of the commandments. And the young man says, all these I have kept uh, from my youth. And then Jesus uh, slings at him the big one. He says, one thing you lack, sell all you have and give to the poor. And the young man turns away sorrowing because he has great wealth. And Jesus really looked at him and loved him. But notice this, Jesus didn't chase after him. You know, if Jesus had been like many enterprising pastors nowadays, he would have said to one of the uh, his uh, associates, he would have said, let's keep in touch with that young man. Uh, give him a phone call next week. Tell him we'd like to get ready together for lunch or something. I mean, uh, he's got leadership potential, and he has the kind of financial resources that we could use for the furtherance of our ministry. No, Jesus didn't. He didn't chase after him. It is as though Jesus were saying, let him go. He'll be back. Sooner or later, they all come home at last. There's no place else to go. You know, it's a wonderful thing to reach this freedom in which you're a carefree, happy, friendly child of God, where you can look out at every person and say, as my friend Fred Rogers would have said, I like you just the way you are. And that doesn't mean that Fred liked everybody just the way they were today. Fred was saying that down deep, down in the depths of every life, 
there's an immortal grandeur and God will never give up on anyone until you get home, until you become that immortal golden child of God that from all eternity you have meant to be. Okay, here's the second thing. Living on the road with Jesus means not being possessed by your possessions. Now, there's a big difference between the early church and our church nowadays. And you've read about it in Acts. I don't know how much you've thought about it, but it says they had no possessions. They regarded all of their possessions as one. They put all of their money into one common pot so that no one would be in need. Now, that's a pretty astounding church. This, of course, is before we had no buildings and, and cathedrals. We had no paid preachers who end up with nice pensions. Uh, it was just a small family gathering, a communal sharing of their goods. And, of course, the Roman Empire went after them, fed them to the lions, and they kept forgiving them regarding them not as their enemies. And finally, after a while, it brought the Roman Empire to its knees before Jesus. And we did this, and we didn't even own a building. Now, who would want to belong to such a church? What if we came up with this idea that Church of the Palms, we're going to have a spin-off, a new kind of a church. We'll stay the way we are, but we're going to spin off this church that's going to copy the early church. It'll be called, well, People of the Road or Church of the Road. Maybe they'll meet in some small room here, but they probably won't need anything very big, or maybe they'll meet in their own homes, but they'll put their resources in a common pot and make sure that there is no need and that they can reach out to, ease, uh, to the world beyond them. Would you join such a church? Well, you know, I once knew two people who would have. Uh, they probably never heard of Dorothy Day, the, uh, the saintly Catholic worker, and uh, her, uh, her formula, live simply so that others may simply live. Uh, but these two people would have lived that way. And it's because of the secret of their life. Now, I know the secret of their life because long after they had died, my father-in-law, who was the church treasurer, told me their secret. He had often had to respond to the Internal Revenue Service about their tax returns because no one at the IRS could believe that people lived the way they did. And the way they lived was by a reverse tithe. Now, you know what tithing is, giving 10% of your income. But Harry and Anna decided at some point early in life that they would live on 10% and give 90% away. They lived in a tiny matchbox size of a house. One summer they hired me to paint it. I painted the whole thing in two days. I could reach the highest point in the house with a stepladder. They didn't have a car. They came to church on the bus. They had no children, they had been blessed with children, but so many of the, us became their spiritual children. The radiant happiness of their life, the wisdom of their life, the simplicity, the freedom of their life, just drew us to them. 
uh, years later when I was in college and very depressed over some issue, uh, I wrote to Harry because I knew that you could trust someone who made himself poor for the sake of Jesus, and Harry helped me out of it. That's the kind of people they were. And then, all of a sudden, a few years later, they arrived in church with an old car. They needed an old car because, with their own money, they had bought a children's camp. The previous owner had wanted to move into uh, something more sophisticated, so they bought this children's camp, open-air cabins. I was a counselor there after my uh, first year in seminary. And uh, when Harry retired, they gave it to the church. It's still in operation today. And then Harry retired, and they went off to Afghanistan to teach in some little school and bear secret witness to the gospel. They were there until they had to come home when Anna was dying. Can you imagine living such a life? You know, when it comes down to it, life isn't a choice between heaven and hell. It's a choice between being a happy, carefree child of God or else living on some dead-end street. And there are lots of people who are members of the church who, no matter what they say, are living on a dead-end street. Live with a dollar sign in front of everything, and that has no future. You know you can't take it with you anyway. Live in pride for your position in life. But all the positions end once our life is over. You know, there aren't any popes in heaven. Once you're pope, it, it, it's over when you get there. You can't take anything to heaven but a, a Christ-like heart. There aren't any past presidents in heaven. You don't go around saying, gee, I really always wanted to meet you, president so-and-so. No, that's all over. There aren't any PhDs. There aren't any preachers. All that we take there is a Christ-like heart. And that's really what it comes down to. Are you living on the road with Jesus, seeking only that which he wants to bring forth in every life, a Christ-like spirit? Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your promise of the wonderful freedom of the children of God. We thank you that you're leading us home, that we live in the wonderful freedom of knowing that there is only one family, that we have no enemies, that we live with the knowledge that all we need is a cheerful, friendly, kindly spirit. Oh, gracious God, let us so live, let us so speak to the world that there may be no doubt, that it may be crystal clear that we are people on the road people on the road with Jesus. For we ask this in his name. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.